Hey guys, this is your host Gooby, and welcome to the Toon Balloon Podcast, our outlet to discuss, theorize, and enjoy our favorite webtoons with the occasional anime and manga sprinkled in between. Now, I hope you all had a wonderful weekend last week. I spent some time with my husband for Valentine's Day, and I hope all of you were able to treat yourselves to some chocolate or spend time with your loved ones or anything that just brings you some joy and love to everyone around you or even to yourself. I mean, self-love is so important. (laughs) So I am really happy to be back. So the webtoons on the agenda today will be as listed Unordinary, Age Matters, Pot of Gold, Love Me Not, and the two chapters of Lore Olympus. Now let's jump into these webtoons. First up is Unordinary, episode 218 by Uruchan. The episode starts off with Blyke getting some heat from the headmaster of their school because he ended up giving him the amplifier that he had scavenged from his last battle when he was out doing hero hunting. (laughs) Or not hero hunting, villain hunting, or ember hunting, whatever you would like to call it. Of course, Due to his recent training sessions, he, of course, was a little worried that he was going to get expelled from the school. Although the headmaster ends up letting him off the hook. He ends up just giving him like a pretty big warning and just telling him, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. It is dangerous. And he even asks Blyke if his identity has been discovered at all. To the headmaster's dismay, it seems that Blyke's identity has been uncovered just a bit because his um, battle from the last few episodes was broadcasted on live TV. And due to his very distinguishable superpower, which are laser beams, he kind of already has a bit of an issue with being targeted by the authorities because the headmaster even mentions that it is going to be tough to get him out of this mess because for sure he's going to get questioned and get hunted for by the authorities in future episodes. Even though Blake looked like he was going to get a pretty harsh punishment, he ends up getting off the hook because of him mentioning the safe house and he wants to protect it. Now this kind of gets into the headmaster's good graces because I think he notices some king-like qualities within Blake that he couldn't find in John or at least was hoping to find in John because he's kind of lost hope in John at this point. (laughs) And with Blake, I guess he's hoping that he can be the next best thing. So the headmaster ends up letting Blake off the hook and Blake goes off to go talk with Remy outside of their room. And he kind of mentions to Remy if she is mad at him of any sort because of his whole villain hunting slash having the amplifier and, you know, kind of hiding secrets from her. But she, of course, says that, hey, it's no problem. You know what? I should have been there for you and kept an eye on you, (laughs) which I mean, for Remy, it's not her responsibility. But I guess they all are kind of hooked up into this big radical mess that is their society. 
she does end up telling Blake that he doesn't need an amplifier because he already is pretty strong. And by the looks of it, Blake is getting stronger. Blake is kind of showing improvement and he's showing more versatility when it comes to his powers. Like he's able to be gentle with it. Like in the last few uh, fights that he has had, he has been able to kind of bring about blasts that don't hurt anybody, just give them like a good stun. So with Remy kind of complimenting Blake, I think it does give him a confidence boost and he kind of ends up showing a bit of a smirk and I couldn't tell if like, hey, he's just really happy that he got a compliment or he's feeling a little sinister. I don't think Blake would feel sinister, but I mean, I never know sometimes with this comic, <laughs> he could have like a, a motive going on now that he thinks that, hey, I'm getting stronger. That's a good thing. We end up seeing the headmaster's assistant kind of go and find the school nurse to give the amplifier vial to. And he mentions to the school nurse that the headmaster wants him to study the vial or whatever's inside of it. The nurse is definitely not on board with any of this. He's like, hey, this isn't what I was paid for. I was just paid to watch some kids, take care of some kids. And what is going on with this place? Why is this guy trying to experiment on things? And not to mention... This guy's a nurse and by all means, I don't think he's like a scientist. <laughs> he can make some very good quality medicines for sure that kind of just heal these students' injuries in like a blink of an eye. But I guess the headmaster can tell that he is perfectly capable of studying this stuff. And they even mentioned how he had like a, a chemistry degree or something on his belt. <laughs> so he is able to do this. He does mention, however, that he doesn't have a lab, so how would he even do that? And I guess the assistant kind of slyly sneaks in a bit of a, hey, if you request like some funding, we might be able to do it. I wonder if the headmaster is trying to like form like a, a base, not a military base per se, but I think he wants to fight what is wrong with the outside world from the academy. Here he is trying to study these vials, these amplifiers, and he's here kind of studying students to see if they have potential to change the mannerisms of the world and the hierarchy. So I'm wondering if he's trying to evolve these students and kind of invade the world outside. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. <laughs> but he does have a big ulterior motive and I guess we'll just keep seeing it build up as the episodes go on because we are starting to see more movement from his end of the story. In the next panel, we have Remy walking down the hallways to the safe house and she overhears a lot of students whispering and murmuring about the quality of the safe house ever since its last attack by John. So for these students, they don't want to go back in there and risk getting attacked again, which is warranted, I guess, in this school. They, I mean, you don't want to go somewhere and know that you're going to get bullied and attacked and possibly mutilated because, I mean, these kids like tear each other up for sure. So with a sad Remy look, um, she heads over to the safe house and she sees some students I guess some students can really trust the leaders of the safe house, which is like Remy and Black. And so when she walks in there, she notices that Arlo is sitting there reading a book. And to her surprise, she is just gladly appreciating his effort to want to continue working with the safe house and protecting students. 
And he kind of notices that she does look a little bit gloomy. And he asks her what's wrong. So when they step out of the classroom, we start to see that Remy is doubting herself and doubting the potential of the safe house. But Arlo ends up reassuring Remy and telling her that she needs to keep going and not to give up on this because he obviously has seen and heard some things in the last chapter and he he's looking a little down too in front of Remy. She notices, hey, what's going on? He's kind of changed. Where is this coming from? I really love and appreciate the development of Arlo because he kind of goes from like this very hierarchical, rule-based leader in the beginning of the series and he's always about the hierarchy and trying to make sure that everything is in order and at this point ever since he found out about the authorities being the enemy at this point I love to see him start to grow a lot of empathy for these students and understand that hey this stuff needs to change and I want to be here to help you I love this character development and I, I really enjoy character-based stories. I've mentioned before in my first episode of the podcast that my favorite show is Full Metal Alchemist because you do get characters developing into these really beautiful beings where, you know, they change. They really do. And you have like enemies working together with the protagonists and it's really cool. I can see the potential in Arlo. I see him changing and wanting to be there for other people and help out the world. He is definitely walking into Ray's brother's footsteps and that, you know, they're going down the hero route. This episode was really good and I can't wait to see what happens next. Now we are going to talk about Age Matters, episode 122 by Angelicious. So it looks like we finally entered the reunion arc. And by the looks of it, we got a very pretty rose <laughs> right here. She's in a very pretty red dress. I think red really suits Rose for sure. As Rose is walking into the reunion party, she gets confronted by Catherine and she's doing her little ho 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 laugh. <laughs> and just being absolutely ridiculous with Rose or having these crazy little competitive interactions. And I can obviously tell that they have been rivals forever. And by the looks of it, all of the other um, classmates were like, yeah, they, have, they haven't changed whatsoever. <laughs> Catherine kind of mentions, hey, where's your boyfriend? Which is referring to Daniel. And right when I guess Rose was going to answer that or kind of give a snarky remark, um, we got Dylan over here kind of doing his little shtick, <laughs> I guess to put it, um, you know, wooing the ladies and everything. Rose ends up asking Catherine, hey, is he coming to the party tonight? And Catherine kind of tells her, no, he kind of made a big deal that I'm not going to show up and I'm too busy for this and everything. So trying to look like a big shot, I'm guessing. <laughs> Which Rose is relieved, but at the same time, she is disappointed that Daniel is not here at the party because obviously from the last episode, she wanted to flaunt her boo thing. <laughs> and by the looks of it, Daniel is kind of preoccupied with his grandfather. I don't know what the 
actual familial drama is with, um, I'm guessing, Daniel's family line because everyone just seems like they're a bit of a mess <laughs> and with the whole who's going to be the successor and Daniel saying, I don't want to be the successor. You're all dramatic and extra. <laughs> and by what I noticed, he just wants Ruby to take the role and the grandfather is kind of bit of a sexist. He doesn't want Ruby to take the the big role, which she is perfectly capable of doing. So the grandpa kind of tries to lure Daniel in, telling him, hey, why aren't you joining us at the party with Derek and stuff? Because I'm planning to announce you to be my successor, even though you never agreed to it in the first place. Right when Daniel was about to tell him off and be like, hey, I don't want to be a part of all of this, um, his grandpa just starts, I'm guessing, having a heart attack. I don't know. But the timing is too convenient. Obviously, we are in for some drama. I, I don't know what we're going to be expecting in the next episodes because I feel like by the looks of it, it's going to be heartbreaking. I would hate to see um, there being a huge misunderstanding between him and Rose. So after that big dramatic cut of the grandpa kind of holding his chest and going, ah, <laughs> with um, Daniel... We end up getting a scene with a drunken Rose. Oh no, we we have seen a good few drunken Roses in the past and usually it always leads to a bit of trouble or a bit of <laughs> smooching, I guess to say. She's kind of competing with her rival, Catherine, which I guess was expected and the two of them are just going at it. And eventually Rose is like, oh gosh, I'm feeling a little sick. So she runs off to the restroom and Dylan's here to give her a hand and help her make sure that she's not going to get lost or something. And right while she's using, or at least in the restroom, she starts telling Dylan, thank you so much for being here. And it's a very sweet moment between the two of them. And right when he was about to tell her something, we start noticing, hey, is she drunk dialing? <laughs> And by the looks of it, I don't know who it is that was behind the other side of that line because we end up getting her telling him, hey, you need to be here now. And Dylan's just joining in, telling him, you're just one lucky guy and doesn't even bear in mind of like, hey, is she dialing Daniel <laughs> right now? We don't know. At the end of the episode, we do get a big reveal that Jackson has showed up, which is Rose's ex and Catherine and her friend is just going, oh no, this is not good. <laughs> I am really worried that we are going to get the secretary back here soon because we know that both her and Rose's ex Jackson are teaming up right now to go up against Lime as a competitor. So far, all we saw was Jackson at the end of the panel and he might just be here to stir up some trouble with Rose. And I don't know why, but it seems that he's trying to get her back from that last reveal with him. But I know that maybe Daniel might end up showing up at the last minute and being like, hey, you can't touch my girl or you can't get near my girl or something. But who knows? Because right now, Rose is very drunk and more than likely she might end up saying some things that she probably shouldn't or she might end up doing some things that might be a bit questionable. We don't know. <laughs> and I'm I'm excited and a bit anxious because I never know what's going to happen next in this one. So I guess we'll just have to wait till the next episode.
here we have an exciting new episode of Pot of Gold, episode 16, part 3, Shaken, by Natasha Berlin. I was so happy to see that we got a new installment to this Canvas webtoon. I love this webtoon. It is so cute, and the suspense is starting to kick in because we got some good scenes in this part. We ended up getting a cute shipping moment with um, Otto and Mia. Mia is telling him, hey, thank you so much for being there for me the other day after that really harsh incident with the mugger. Just to recap a little bit, Otto has been getting uh, anonymous letters in his mailbox recently where it is telling him that he owes a lot of money and that this person has dirt on him or something that can easily ruin a lot of things that Otto has worked hard for. The blackmailer has ended up dragging Mia into the situation and she recently got attacked by a mugger on her way home the other night. Mia ended up asking Otto to come and stay with her for a little bit or at least be there for her on the phone and just try to comfort her ever since her very scary um, traumatic incident with a mugger. I mean, they attacked her. (laughs) That's a a little traumatic to me, at least. So she ends up giving him a big hug. They're just comforting each other right now. And it is so sweet to see the two of them be together like that. They're really cute. And I I ship this hard. (laughs) Otto ends up telling Mia, I'm going to keep you safe, Mia. I promise. But as what Gwen Stacy would say, don't make promises you can't keep. Now, I don't know if Otto is going to be the Peter Parker in this situation where he's going to be like, but those are the best kind. (laughs) I don't think Natasha Berlin is going that Gwen Stacy route with Mia, but I definitely do think it is hard to keep promises like that with someone like Mia, where even Otto is dealing with a difficult situation where he can't even protect himself from the blackmailer. So I definitely think he could be biting off a bit more than he can chew. But I'm really, really hoping that with Alex in the picture now at the end of the episode and he kind of confronts Otto telling him, hey, I noticed you're getting letters and I noticed that it seems that you're in trouble. So with this in mind, I'm hoping that we're finally going to get a team (laughs) of some sort where they're going to be able to protect Otto and Mia and confront this blackmailer. I have said this before. But at the very beginning of Pot of Gold, we do see Otto and Mia off on their trip to Colorado to go and venture off on new adventures to go find her sister. So we will be getting to that point. I just don't know what the journey is and how it is that they are going to be able to get this mess behind them so they can go and move on. Or maybe they haven't even gotten the mess behind them. They just went ahead and bounced. (laughs) I don't know, but... I guess we'll get a chance to see soon in the next few episodes. And I am so excited to see more updates from this. Thank you so much, Natasha Berlin. You are doing wonderful. And I appreciate all the work you do to bring out new episodes on a very consistent rate. And it's awesome. Here is Love Me Not, episode 25 by Sophia. We get our cute little love triangle here where all 
the three, um, I guess, I don't know what to call them. Are we going to call them like the, the severed strings? I guess we'll call them that. We got our severed strings here all hanging out. And Noah and Avery were trying to study for their exam or something. Hayden takes notice of Noah's little jealous looks that he's giving him. And so Hayden's like, well, I don't know why he's being jealous. There's nothing going on between us. And, and cue the sparkly Avery <laughs> because Hayden starts kind of staring at her. And I guess he just starts to notice, hey, she is pretty cute. And now we're starting to see that Hayden is catching feelings uh, for Avery. Of course, Avery skipped out on eating lunch because she immediately left the school and just went and took a nap right when she got home and didn't even bother to eat. And her friend even asked her if she wanted to eat something, but she refused. So right now her stomach is doing the epic growl <laughs> sound where it's just a persistent little monster just gurgling at everybody. <laughs> and so... She ends up eating some very good looking pizza. I mean, when she showed that, I was like, gosh, dang it, now I need pizza. <laughs> so after her finishing her little bit of a meal, I guess they all decided to continue um, studying. And then we start seeing that Noah was about to talk to Avery or something, and she ends up falling asleep on the gigantic bean bags, which I must mention, I don't know where they got those things, but I need one. Noah kind of looks a little heartbroken to see that he didn't really get a chance to talk to Avery and try to get her to get to know him and break that bit of awkward line between the two of them. It is, I noticed, I can definitely see the easy casual chemistry between her, Avery, and Hayden. I mean, the two of them get along so well and they already got to know each other in a pretty comfortable way because you know Hayden isn't um worried about these severed strings and he's not too concerned about the way these strings hold everybody together because for him he's just trying to live his life and when he talks to Avery he's relaxed and for Noah I guess it's just so strange for him to find a girl of all people and noticing that hey she doesn't have a string connected to anybody and this could be my chance to find someone for myself. And I can definitely relate with um, Noah. I mean, I am a very shy person and it takes me a good bit to um, get to know people because I want to be able to open up to them in a solid way where I don't feel like I'm just going to have like awkward silence constantly. Like there's just that anxiety there that makes it difficult to interact with people. And I can see Noah having a difficult time wanting to talk to Avery because not only has he met someone like himself, but he also really wants to make friends with this person. And I guess it's a bit harder when it's a girl and your first impression with her is, hey, will you marry me? <laughs> so... Although I can definitely see a ship between Hayden and Avery, I am really rooting for Noah. <laughs> I can definitely see the potential and hopefully they can start to get to know each other well and Noah can get some chances to finally break out of his shell. All right, so we have finally reached Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe, 
We are going to be discussing two chapters and there will be a musical interlude in between the two of them. So that way you can just go and listen to the one that you want to listen to the most, (laughs) whether it's the recent one or the one that was from last week. So first up is Retail Therapy, episode 144. Now, let me tell you guys, when I read this chapter, I choked on my granola bar (laughs) when um, I was like, hey, I'm just going to go to the kitchen real quick and decide to get a snack. And I was like, oh, look, Laura Olympus is updated. Let me read it. I read it and I'm just like, (laughs) right when I saw it, I I choked, I gasped, I, I gave out a squeal. I mean, who knows? I was alone for that bit of time, so I was allowed to fangirl as much as I want. (laughs) I was just so pumped to read this episode after I saw that. Because I was expecting, like, Persephone to do, like, a cute little topple. Like, oopsie, I'm so clumsy. I just toppled all over you. And, I mean, we're just having a casual little talk after this. But, no, we got a kiss. Not just a kiss, we got a whole makeout session <laughs> between the two of them. And I like the little effects of Persephone just slowly turning into butterflies again. And I was like thinking, no, you better stay here with him. I will not get traumatized like that like last time <laughs> with um her just floating away and just magically the kiss is over. And thank you, Hades, for desperately grabbing onto her and just holding her so tightly and loving her the way he does because he just tells her when you leave it's the loneliest feeling in the world and that was just so sweet it melted my heart I am so thankful for Rachel Smythe and this episode it was a awesome Valentine's Day gift for sure (laughs) I, I think it's so cool that she was able to schedule this to release during this time because it honestly is like the most romantic scene I have ever seen I love that even though she wants to keep and continue kissing him, Hades offers to her that they probably should stop. And even though she feels like, hey, I really hope you're not rejecting me. It is in no means like that at all for him. He is just trying his best to respect her boundaries. And he even mentions as a host, he kind of feels like it is a bit of, I don't know how to explain it. As for him, he does explain it as a, He doesn't want to overstep those boundaries because as a host, he doesn't want her to feel like she needs to offer thanks to him in return for this very generous thing he's doing for her. Like there are no need for favors to be exchanged between the two of them. He is just looking out for her well-being. He just truly wants Persephone to be comfortable because he loves her and he loves her company and he just wants her to be happy. It is so sweet and beautiful. And I love that he just gives her so much autonomy. He allows her to make choices and he allows her to think for herself. And it's something that she doesn't really get a chance to do because all of her interactions from birth to growing up with her mother to uh, hanging out with her friends, no one really asks her what it is that she wants and what it is that she wants to do. And I love that Hades just lets her have all the choices and the ability to make um, choices for herself. I really appreciate the amount of respect he offers to her. And I love the little conversation that they have about 
oh, well, per- Persephone is just worried that she won't be able to, I guess, please him the way he is used to. And I guess she just kind of compares herself to Minth <laughs> and the whole underwear under the coat fiasco at his office. And of course, he's like, oh, you meant that. <laughs> and he just kind of like tells her, you know, there is no need for you to worry about that. And just reassures her again and again. And I love this. He ends up giving Persephone his brooch that's attached to like the, the shoulder strap of his, I guess his tunic. I don't know what those things are called. <laughs> um, I'm gonna call it a drape at this point. And he ends up giving the brooch to Persephone in her hands as he's telling her that, you know, that her needs are not secondary to his. And is just trying to tell her that he'll always be there for her. And I noticed, and I think a lot of people noticed too, that he ended up giving her a pomegranate. And a lot of people have been saying that he has been handing her pomegranates throughout the series, much like the pomegranate phone to the pomegranate drink. And now he's giving her a pomegranate brooch. And this one is quite in your face because a lot of people mention the pomegranate and its significance because of its ties to the myth of Persephone and why she is always from in between the underworld and the mortal realm. In the myth, she ends up eating like a special pomegranate that only grows in the underworld. And when she eats it, she's kind of permanently in a position where she has to be in the underworld for six months. And then she has to be in the mortal realm for six months. And that kind of is how we got spring and winter. I like that with instead of her actually eating a physical pomegranate and having the mystical mythological aspect to it, we end up getting more subtle references to it. And with her instead getting more of symbolic pomegranates and a lot of people like to say that the last one is going to be a ring, which most likely I can see happening because with a ring, he probably is asking for her hand in marriage and is a much more formal way of her to stay in the underworld other than her eating a piece of fruit that might end up just keeping her stagnant in the underworld, like the myth itself. And Hades ends up asking her if they would just want to go on a date to start off their relationship because, you know, it may not be moving very fast, but for him, I guess he just wants her to be able to um, grow along with the relationship. And I think that's really sweet that he offered to her uh, a proper date. And I love the, the blushing and the sweet smile she offers and is just ecstatic for this potential um, relationship to blossom. And then we get a cute little swimming scene of the two of them and it is just so beautifully drawn and I absolutely loved it. After that scene with them swimming gracefully in the water, we end up getting a magical green bird. And obviously by the looks of it, I was like, is that Demeter? And indeed it was. And here she is sneaking around in the underworld. So what is it that we are going to get next? I mean, we'll get to see in the next discussion. So here is Lore Olympus, episode 145, airs. Now, this episode, I am so glad I stayed up while, and to wait for this notification because this episode was just so 
good. <laughs> I mean, it was lore heavy for sure. We have Hecate walking up into her home and just kind of contemplating everything that she is thinking about, thinking, why did I get involved? I guess it's just because I like the need for chaos. <laughs> and I mean, she is just so chaotic. I love her. And uh, she's just going to go and grab a beer. And we end up seeing a silhouette in the background, which happens to be a very disheveled Demeter. <laughs> we have her just being so erratic. And I love the colorful personality she has shown in this episode with all of her conspiracy theories and her kind of, you know, her paranoia is warranted. She has just such an outgoing personality in here and I loved it. And to see her being so endearing about her daughter, it was really sweet to see this side of her. And also just so interesting to see all of the explanations that she had for why she was so protective of Persephone. The very first thing that Demeter ends up asking Hecate is, where is Persephone? How is Persephone? Who is Persephone? Why is Persephone? You know, <laughs> the the whole shebang. And of course, Hecate is just telling her like, yeah, she's all right. She's fine. And it's just absolutely so hilarious to the the moment when she's like my poor daughter is probably terrified right now and to see it just end up with Persephone kind of just eyeballing a shirtless Hades and just enjoying her life right now and it's so funny to <laughs> see the the constant comedic timing in this episode. I love this comment by Breeze bye 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 where she basically says my poor baby she must be terrified Nope, she's just super thirsty <laughs> and it's very clever and on the nose for sure. I definitely was reminded of that old Kronk saying, right, <laughs> it definitely was in tune with this chapter every time she would talk to Hecate about anything. <laughs> and so we ended up getting a really cool lore discussion when it came to fertility goddesses. Now we did get a lot of info about fertility goddesses in the past, like just some, some slight hints that yes, there is something about this being that Persephone might be. And by the looks of it, Demeter has confirmed that Persephone is indeed a fertility goddess. Now, I had to go and look up some stuff about fertility goddesses because I didn't really know what made them so important other than the fact that, yes, they do bring a lot of fruitfulness to nature and to even human beings when it comes to fertility, like childbirth and the sort. And by the looks of it for Lore Olympus, the thing about fertility goddesses is that they have a lot of un- touched power and by the looks of it Persephone has a lot of power that Demeter has been worried about getting taken advantage of or even based on everything that Demeter starts discussing later on it's very intense and kind of traumatic based on the images that we end up seeing later in the chapter and I was just so shocked to see the things that these goddesses have to go through just because they have a lot of power. We start seeing Demeter put on her tinfoil hat and just explaining her theories kind of like what we do about this story as it is <laughs> and uh, we are all Demeter in this situation but Demeter seems to know a lot more than we do that's for sure 
and she mentions the god of the sky. I'm going to say Oranos for this podcast episode. And basically, he wanted to be the true ruler of the gods. And so as a way to obtain that power, he decided to form a union with Gaia, the first earth goddess. And she happened to be a fertility goddess. We end up getting an image of the two of them and he has the the set of eyes, these glowing eyes and Gaia basically with the red uh, eyes that even Persephone has donned before. And essentially he is using his power to take over all the gods. And it kind of becomes like this huge cycle, a big mess of the predecessors going up against their successors. And essentially everyone is just trying to basically take the same steps in order to overtake each other. So we have Oranos with Gaia and he tries to take over the gods. And then we have Kronos, the son of Oranos, have a union with Rhea and they end up overtaking the previous ones. And then we get a glimpse of a very oversized Zeus eating Matis. And essentially, Matis was the mother of Hera. And it is so heartbreaking to see that image of her just about to get devoured by Zeus. And no wonder Hera can't stand Zeus's guts. I mean, (laughs) very understandable. I mean, the guy already has very rough qualities as it is, but this just takes the cake as, oh gosh. So based on all of these goddesses, they were all fertility goddesses. And so what happens is Demeter says that her fear is that Persephone is going to end up in the same situation as these past goddesses due to her standing as a fertility goddess. Now, I really like the explanation by Demeter because this does give a lot of insight as to why Demeter was so protective of Persephone. I just assumed it was just, you know, the overprotective mom who didn't want her around boys and that she just wanted her to follow a path that she set upon. And it's not like Demeter didn't just do that as well, but her intentions seem a bit more fruitful because of this. And I feel like she, I mean, with all of us probably agreeing with her conspiracy theory, and I am so worried about what's going to get foreshadowed next. I'm so nervous to see if Persephone might end up getting manipulated and taken advantage of, but my my thoughts are that she's got a lot of people behind her that will be there for her to make sure that she's okay. Just like how Hades is there for her and Eros and everyone else around her who is just on team Persephone. <laughs> also, that the fact that Zeus decided to go and eat Matis instead of just marrying her, because I think by the looks of it, he married Hera with the expectation that she was supposed to be a fertility goddess and that ended up not being the case. Hera, in order to get a hold of Matis, who was the fertility goddess and ended up eating her, unlike all of the previous overtakers were here actually marrying these women, Zeus went up ahead and just ate her, which uh, really brings up a good insight of his character. I mean, the guy was already a mess. Nobody really likes the guy. I just, oh, when I when I saw that, I just knew this guy, he just can't trust the dude. <laughs> and I, I feel so bad for Hera because in the past, she has mentioned a lot that she misses her mom. And now that we know what happened to her, uh, it's devastating. It's so sad. 
Hecate decides to try to comfort Demeter and kind of reassure her and tell her, hey, he, like, Zeus does not have any sons that probably would overtake him. You know, she said he hasn't sired anybody, so it doesn't look like that would happen and be the case for Persephone. But we ended up getting that very suspicious glimpse of a crazy looking Apollo. And when I saw him and Anytime I see Apollo, I just choke up a little bit. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I just, I'm like, no, get that thing out of here. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to see Apollo. He does not deserve any screen time whatsoever. I cannot wait for this next installment of the series. This is so good, and I am so excited for the next episode. All right, so that's about it for all of the webtoons that I will be discussing today. And you know what? These were awesome to talk about with you guys again. I really missed out on last week, and so I really wanted to make this episode quite long so that way you guys can have some fun and listen and just think about any of these webtoons that I am talking about. So let me know your thoughts and opinions of what we discussed today in this episode by messaging me through either of my social media handles. So this is a big announcement because I recently changed both my Twitter and my Instagram handles to both the Toon Balloon. So now you can navigate to both of my social media with the same name as the podcast. I recently was doing like these two different names and I realized this is way too difficult for everybody I and for me <laughs> I would rather just have it all be the same so this has made it a lot easier to navigate through and I got really lucky that none of these usernames were already taken <laughs> so that was just a hooray moment for me and so I would love to hear from you also definitely tell me any other webtoons, anime, or manga you are interested in, and I may talk about them in future episodes. Natasha Berlin ended up telling me an answer to one of my questions from one of my previous episodes, which was basically, which webtoon has made you go broke? <laughs> and not so much a, oh gosh, my emotions, but a, I have no more coins in my webtoon wallet. And for her, she said the kiss bet. I ended up reading that and I absolutely adore this web series. I recommend this heavily. Thank you so much, Natasha Berlin, for your answer. I really appreciate it. My question for you guys this week is, what is your favorite genre of webtoons or even anime or manga? Um, you can tell me it's romance, drama, thriller. Personally, I love romance. But I also really enjoy some thriller. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite exciting. So I would love to hear your favorite genres. Just message me through either of my social medias. Remember, it is the Toon Balloon now. So you can find me through my Twitter and my Instagram. Now, let's end this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time to listen to my humble podcast. I look forward to talking with you again. This is the Toon Balloon Podcast. I was your host, Gooby. See you next time. <laughs>